Welcome to Healthcare and Hire, a podcast for healthcare professionals and aspiring healthcare executives looking for information, association, and inspiration from higher-level leaders across the healthcare industry. I'm Iqbal Acha, career consultant, healthcare recruiter, and registered pharmacist. Every week, I sit down to interview healthcare executives, clinical leaders, medical entrepreneurs, and industry experts to learn how they got to where they are today, what they see as the future of healthcare, and what they're doing to make healthcare more accessible, affordable, and effective. Let's find out more about today's guest. Dr. Deepak Patel is the Senior Director of Healthcare Strategy and Innovation for Novo Nordisk. He leads a portfolio-level strategy inclusive of population health and health disparities. Dr. Patel's devotion to data and developing associates has allowed him to build a broad portfolio of diverse experiences in healthcare, ranging from managed care and market access to medical affairs within the pharmaceutical industry. Over the past six years, he has served as the Director of Population Health and as the Managed Market Medical Liaison of National Accounts. Prior to this, Dr. Patel was a Senior Clinical Account Executive at Express Scripts and an Analytics Consultant for CVS Health. He holds a Doctor of Pharmacy degree from the University of Illinois at Chicago and a Bachelor's degree in Chemistry from the University of Illinois at Urbana. Starting in January, Dr. Patel will take on a new role as Director of Medical Affairs for Diabetes, where he will lead the field team across the Northeast. Hello, Dr. Patel. Welcome to the Healthcare and Higher podcast. Hey, how are you doing, Iqbal? Great to see you, man. It's been a long time. Nice to be on your show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's been too long, man. I'm really glad that we made the time to to do this. Um, And I'm super excited to dive into your professional career uh, and really discuss a lot of the amazing things that you've been doing since we last spoke. Um, I know there's a few on this podcast that are listening right now that may be familiar with you because we do have some several shared connections, but I'm sure there's a larger number of listeners that are meeting you for the first time. Why don't we take this opportunity and have you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how does your role take healthcare to a higher level? So my name is Deepak Patel. I'm a pharmacist by trade, right? And I think where you and I crossed paths was in pharmacy school, actually, right? And that's where our relationship kind of took off. So I'm a pharmacist by trade, and a lot of my expertise in pharmacy is heavily on the managed care side. So right after pharmacy school, I went into managed care, did a residency with CVS Caremark, worked there, worked with Express Scripts, managed a health plan book of business while I was at Express Scripts. And now uh, I work for Nova Nordisk. So I've had various different roles within Nova Nordisk, uh, starting from a managed market medical liaison, all the way up to leading a team uh, of field medical team, having home office roles where I just recently rolled off a role where I, where I was leading up all of healthcare strategy and innovation team within medical affairs. 
and now I'm leading up a diabetes team. Uh, so my new title, uh, effective November just last month, is Director of Medical Affairs in Diabetes. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And I think some of the things that we've done uh, to take healthcare to the next level in my previous role since we're rolling off, that is we did some of the first things that they haven't been done within medical affairs, right? We took on population health and we try to figure out how do we work with our stakeholders to really solve for population health and help partner together to solve for population health and better understand it, right? We as a medical affairs organization did not know and still probably don't know how to better engage our stakeholders to help them solve for population health. Another thing is we kind of took on health disparities. Uh, we, we took it head on and said, you know what, this is a big, big concern across U.S. Uh, and COVID, if you think about COVID, COVID really brought that to the forefront, right? Uh, so what we started doing is we started building the very first framework within our organization to figure out how we're going to tackle health dis disparities and how we're going to partner with our stakeholders to really ensure that there's equitable care given to patients that actually have access to care, right? Across the work, across the U.S., across the geographies that we cover. So, so some of the two key things that we, we, we were doing. I, I mean, that's phenomenal background and phenomenal context. I think, you know, the fact that, you know, you brought out what you just did about the fact that Novo Nordisk is really, you know, it's a pioneer in a lot of spaces. I didn't know about the, 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 the disparities, uh, the disparity angle that Novo Nordisk was taking. And the fact that, you know, your, your involvement in this space has really like led the company forward, I think is really remarkable. And we're, and we're going to dive into that. Um, for the listeners that are familiar with Novo Nordisk, I'm sure there's many people that, you know, the majority of listeners today are healthcare professionals and healthcare executives. So at some point, uh, you know, the name Novo Nordisk has flashed across your screen or they've like heard it in a conversation. Uh, but for those that may be not as familiar, like this is a 90 year plus company uh, that has really established itself as like a leader in diabetes care and endocrinology particularly. Um, you know, this is an organization that has 45,000 employees globally. Uh, they have products that are being uh, offered and sold in 180 different countries. It's ranked number 74 on the Fortune 500, I believe, this past year. Um, and more importantly, like, you know, the, the, the array of products that Novo Nordisk invests in is really remarkable. I'm very familiar as an older pharmacist of Novolin and uh, Novolog, uh, but the fact of uh, Rebelsis, uh, Ozembic, Levimir, like all of these medications that have really changed the way that diabetic patients are able to manage their health. Uh, and more importantly, for people like me that are caregivers that are able to provide that care without, you know, a, a technical background. Cause I know that, you know, when people were younger, like, you know, you literally, all you had was one medication and you, you know, if you didn't do it right, your, your loved ones suffered a lot of side effects in the process. And now, you know, you, your company has done a great deal of work in trying to simplify solutions and help everybody be better. So I'm, I'm really, really glad that you're on the show. Um, and we're going to dive into some of this stuff right now. Deepak, you've mentioned uh, that, you know, recently, like you were working on a different team, uh, and now you're going to be moving more into the diabetes medical affairs space. Um, you know, is there a particular focus that you're, let's talk about a little bit about your past, like a you know, very recent past. Uh, you served as a senior director of healthcare innovation and strategy. Um, and prior to that, as you mentioned, you were also the director of population health at Novo Nordisk. 
many of the listeners uh, may not know, however, like your 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 data analytical perspective and your strength um, has really like kind of built up this career. Uh, I know that you served as a, an analytics consultant at CVS Health, uh, and then you were also working as a senior clinical account executive at Express Scripts. So you've had this beautiful opportunity to see how healthcare has grown, changed, morphed into what it is today. And now working for a, a pharmaceutical company to help leverage all that is great. Share with me a little bit about maybe something that your past team, this the, the uh, healthcare innovation and strategy has been focused on uh, that has really either helped uh, your company move forward or help patient outcomes improve, um, or something that your new team is gearing itself up to start to address uh, and change the game uh, for patients globally in 2022, 2023? Yeah. So th th that's a great question, right? As an organization, you're constantly looking to solve for something, right? There's always a challenge that you're looking to solve for and you're continuously trying to get better at. So I, I think the two things, uh, I want to say the two things that kind of resonate to me right now, because we're currently working on this and we were historically working on this as well, is if you think about the, the, all the different areas and all the, if you, like, let me take a step back for a second. When you and I, back in early 2000, early, or even 2005, there weren't too many different places healthcare professionals could go to to get the information that they need or the education that they needed. Now, they have so many different resources that you can go to Twitter, you can go to LinkedIn, you can go to PubMed, you got journal articles that you could you get in your inbox, right? So there's so many different places that healthcare providers can go to get information. And that in itself provides a challenge for an organization like ours is, where do we target healthcare professionals with the right level of information that they need so they can make better decisions for their patients, right? So this whole idea of omni-channel content and appropriate target within the omni-channel that currently presents itself is something that we're looking to solve for. And I'm working with multiple different members within our organization to figure out how do we get better at this, right? Because we're, we're in our infancy, we're learning. Uh, and from some of those learnings, I think we seek to get better. Uh, so so we, we, we're very, for the very first time, we're piloting a Twitter handle uh, within Novo Nordisk. This is the first. Uh, so we're, we're doing little things that's gonna help us learn a little bit. Uh, and th there was a whole team of individuals that were involved with that project that kicked it off. And it really took a long time for us to adapt. And right now I'm kind of involved in how do we create an HCP 360 and things like that. So another thing is uh, another thing that I'm really excited about. And this is something that I kind of started pioneering last year and then things are coming to fruition is when you talk about big data, right? I think there's a lot of data that sits out there. It's really what you do with data that, that really leads to impact. And I think right now we're at a stage and point where real-time data analytics is going to really evolve healthcare and the way we practice healthcare and make decisions for our patients. So if you think about pharmacy, if you think about data back in the day, it was very, very retrospective. Two years old data, six month old data, or even like a year old data. And a lot of times you've taken many steps along the way to change healthcare and you're not able to see that data in real time. So what, what I'm looking to do is build capabilities within organizations that's gonna allow us to use real-time data 
to engage our healthcare providers so they can make the best decisions for patients they serve, populations that they serve. And we talked about health disparities earlier. The reason why that's important is I want to build that into this tool so we can ensure that we let the providers and give them an opportunity to see to make sure all the patients are being treated equitably, right? And I think it's important to know that if you're not treating somebody equitably, is that an oversight? Uh, how do we change that? You know, and we always have a perspective on what's occurring, but data does not lie. And that's where we, where I really want to uh, take the organization to, and we'll learn a lot from this. You know, it's not a holy grail; it'll be the first time we ever do this, but we're we're going to take a lot of lessons learned from this and get better at. It. I, I I'm just so blown away with the candor in that con in this conversation, right? Because I think that most, I mean, there's so many different aspects of that I want to break down, right? As a healthcare professional, and no matter who you are, no matter where you work, like the, the sources of information are so vast, and some of them are even like unvetted. Uh, and you're, you know, you're, I mean, you mentioned Twitter, right? Like so many healthcare professionals I know and executives are like going to Twitter to find out what the answer is. And I'm like, that's just like, you know, this is where you're going to do like, you're, you know, hey, I'm also cooking this for my Sunday barbecue. And yet, yet at the same time, you're trying to figure out what the the proper dosing is or side effects. Um, and, and it does become a problem. Like, you know, you're trying yeah. to be able to provide the best service, the best product from a healthcare mm -hmm. perspective through a healthcare lens. Um, and you're relying on information that's also very outdated. I mean, look, healthcare is like the stock market. It's changing constantly. And the yeah. ideology that, hey, we can only go back to facts and comparisons or lexicon because that was what was written 18 months ago or five years ago uh, and this is what the standard is no the standard is like it's it's not um and so yeah. to hear you tackling this problem uh it's probably the first time i'm hearing an executive discuss that right because i think most people are just so um this is going to come across incorrectly and i hope it doesn't but i think most people are very naive to the realities of how resources are collected and what to rely on they're just like, well, this is what it is. So, we, you know, we just do it. And that brings me to the second point about health disparities. You did a really great call out with that, Deepak, which is like, you know, if you're ignoring uh, anomalies like in the in the outcome space because of, uh, of, of, of healthcare access and disparity, is it unconscious? Like, is it just, oh, well, it just is? Or is that something that we consistently uh, you know, take ownership of? And the fact that you and your company are doing that, it's really remarkably refreshing. Uh, I'm super glad yeah, to hear that. Yeah, and it, well, the, the thing is, I, I think people have really good intentions, right? But but we all grow up with our implicit bias that are built in, right? And I think people want to do what's best for the patient. I truly do believe that for anybody. And I think if we have data that can help us move the needle in the right direction, I, I think that's just another tool that we're providing individuals that want to do what's best for the patient. Yeah, I, I completely yeah. agree. Uh, Deepak, when you see the world of diabetes um, advancing, right? like, I mean, again, this 85% of your company focuses on diabetes products, diabetes care, diabetes education. Um, so you are probably well, the best person poised to answer this question. But as changes, you know, change is constant. We know that things are going to get better because more people that have a vested interest in helping patients and helping healthcare professionals do and deliver the best care. Uh, that means be developing better medications, developing better tools, um, and being more proactive than retroactive. So how do you see diabetes care changing in the next three to five years? What major advances are you seeing from an industry-wide level that you're aware of or that you predict uh, that's really going to change some games and change some perspectives? 
And so that's a, I wish I had like a magic eight ball where I could a crystal ball where I could just tell you exactly what's going to happen. But I, you know, the diabetes, like you said, no, from the days of Novolin, Novolog, or just insulin has evolved quite a bit. And I think what has attributed to that is a lot of great science. So I think what you're going to see in the next five years is you're going to you're going to see a lot of good molecules in the marketplace. There are great molecules in the marketplace right now, and I think they're just going to continue to get better uh, from, from a pharmaceutical option for patients. So I think that in itself will provide a challenge for healthcare providers too, because I remember when I started with Novo, and I think this was 2014. And when I was first getting hired on and trained, I was told by someone who trained me that by 2020, you're going to have over 30 competitor products in the marketplace. And I, I think we probably surpassed that, right? If you, if you take technology into account. So as the time evolves, there's going to be more options available for healthcare providers to choose from and great options. So I think the care is going to shift from not only just focusing on diabetes, controlling A1C, but taking a look at a patient as a whole and treating them as a cardiometabolic disease versus just patient with diabetes and controlling their A1C. So I think we're gonna see an evolution of how diabetes is being treated. And I think we're starting to see that now, right? We're seeing a lot of healthcare systems developing cardiometabolic clinics. They wanna take a look at a patient holistically who may have diabetes, cardiovascular disease, NASH, uh, you know, neurodegenerative uh, disease or chronic kidney disease. So you got these great molecules that not only impact the blood sugar A1C and fasting plasma glucose, but they also have impact on other organs of your body. And I think this is a good thing uh, for patients because it's going to evolve healthcare and allow us to allow us a lot of different options that are available for them. So I think that, yeah, that that's just remarkable. Sorry, go ahead, Deepak. No, I, I was going to say as, as as a result of that, I think there will be and uh, this I'm, I'm providing two solutions. I think what you'll see is as a result of that. There may be some entrance in the marketplace, by whether it's by consultants, whether it's by large organization, is when you have a lot of choices and you're only given five, maybe five minutes tops with a patient to make a decision on their therapy, you need tools to make smarter decisions, right? So I do think that the idea of precision medicine and tools that will allow healthcare professionals to make smart decisions for their patients based on their EHR data, uh, based on their existing data and also their ability to stay adhered to the therapy, right? That, that's a huge component of medication. So I think all those things, I think someone will figure it out. That is how do you use all that to get a better medication for the patient? Because there's a lot of options and there's not one option fits all, right? There's one option that works well for you and there may be a completely different option that works better for me. And we just need to help our providers make those decisions. I think it's remarkable that you're saying that. And, and you know, for the listeners that are listening to this episode, I'm sure everyone has heard uh, you know, about Oracle's, uh, um, Oracle's recent uh, acquisition of Cerner. Um, and you know, we can talk about that later, but I think that that's just another indication of how critical data is to be able to enhance healthcare delivery. Um, and, you know, this is, I know, common knowledge, right? But like in the last two years, Novo Nordisk has taken a bold stance in that ability to help kind of, you know, have that data to make uh, holistic products and provide that. Like I know it's acquisition of Dicerna Pharmaceuticals. Uh, I think it's Corvidia. 
uh, therapeutics, yeah. and then is it what is it? Hemisphere, Hemisphere Tech. Yeah. Uh, like those yeah. three companies are bringing a lot to the table, right? And Novo Nordis understands like, hey, in order to be better, we need to have more information. And you are 100% right. Uh, data is, data is, di- di- I, I like to say like data is divine, uh, but like data is a deity. Like you need it. Like you yeah. need to be able to recognize what is happening in order to make better sound decisions. Um, so this is, this is a great example of that, Deepak. I'm really glad you shared that. I want to talk a little bit about you now. I mean, we spent quite a bit of time talking about your company and the great things that it does. You know, you've had a beautiful career. You've had a lot of opportunities to both sample and contribute in different areas. Um, And right now, you know, you're serving as a director of medical uh, affairs or medical education for diabetes. Like, you having done that, having done the other things uh, and to embrace this opportunity, like how did you know that this was, how did you know that this was going to be the right role for you at this present moment? And what did you do to prepare for it? Yeah, so so I'll answer the first one because it's a quick one. I didn't know this is where I wanted to be, right? It's just the path ended up being that I am where I am. But I think what's helped me get here is really the, to answer your question, how did I prepare? And I think my mental preparation was, I, I never, you know, and you've known me for some time, I, I never had this innate drive to just continuously move vertically up. Yes, it's, it's great. I like it. And it's a great satisfaction. And I want to continue to move up. But I think I did it with a mindset of I wanted to grow horizontal, right? So when I do roundtables, and I, when I speak with students, what I really mean by that is, I think focus on how you can acquire skill sets and learn different things over time that'll make you a better leader, that'll allow you to move up vertically down the line. Because I think it's everything that you acquire over time that makes you very, very valuable to an organization because you bring in many different skill sets that you acquire. And I think when I when I look at my journey now, I feel like I'm still learning, you know? And you take a look at all the different directors in the last four years, I've had four different director roles because I've been building capabilities within the organization that that have been tested. And then those capabilities have been built in into our medical affairs organization. So I think through that process, I've learned a lot of different and acquired a lot of different skill sets. So I think to me, I think having that mindset has really kind of helped me position myself where I am versus kind of, did did I know I was going to end up in this situation or in this role? I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I had no idea I was going to be doing what I'm doing, but I absolutely love what I'm doing. No, so it's so happy. It thrills me to hear you say that. Uh, and I mean that in the most respectful and generous way, right? It's not like I want you to be an aimless you know, executive just wondering what's, what I'm going to do next. I think the fact is that you embrace the uncertainty and the fact is that you recognize that by doing so, you're able to, uh, you know what you're looking to acquire by saying yes. Right? If you say yes to an, op- an opportunity, a situation, or, um, or something that's presented to you, and you're sort of like, I don't know this, but man, I'm going to know it by the end of the, the six months, 12 months, 18, 24 months of me doing it. And then I'm going to be able to leverage that in another area, another department. I think that that's really beautiful in terms of growth. Um, so many people do have that mindset, particularly newer practitioners, right? People that have been practicing for five years, even seven years or less. Um, they, they almost have the school mentality, which is still, 
hey, here's the curriculum that's been presented to me. So this is the only track that exists. And there's a small percentage of rebels, of you know, creatives that are like, why? <laughs> like, why should I do that? Let me go try this out. And I think that that's really good to hear because you recognize like being that horizontal uh, career pathing is the ability to capture a little bit of a lot of things. And then it's not like you become a jack of all trades. You actually become an expert of all trades. Uh, and that's the beautiful part about this. So it's really, really remarkable. Is there one opportunity uh, maybe that you can think of where you were sort of like, this is going to change me forever? Um, and maybe it has, like both on a personal and professional level. Like, is there something that you went through uh, in this journey of yours where you sort of were like, you know, I know who I was before, but man, I feel like a totally different person now because of that experience or that moment. Yeah, it, I would say it was just probably one very recent, right? Uh, I think when I, I have never, ever since my career started in pharmacy, I've been in a customer facing role. All the time. I've managed accounts at Caremark, managed accounts at Express Scripts. And even here, when I came to Novo, I was in the field managing a field team, doing a lot of field related stuff that was very intense. So, my recent role as a senior director of healthcare strategy and innovation was my very first home office role. Very first. And it really helped me develop an appreciation of everything that goes behind the scenes to really get things done, right? So when you're with the customer all the time, you know how the bike is. You, you, what you get delivered is you get a bike and, and you sell that bike and you teach people how to ride that bike, but you don't know how that bike is made and all the work that goes into making that bike, all the different pieces that help put it together. And I think the role I had within the home office really changed the way I view things. I'm very, very appreciative of different functions that actually play a role to the success that we have in front of our customers. And, and, I think I took that for granted, you know, when I was out in the field with customers, but being able to do that and being in those shoes could completely change the way I look at things even now and how I view things that I personally use right now. So how do you teach that to your team and to other people, right? Like these are people that also have not had that experience yet. Uh, and because you were in their shoes, you can recognize like, hey, wow, I used to believe this. Uh, but now that I've seen it, now that I've lived it, now that I've experienced it, I was like, wow, I'm totally wrong. How do you convey that knowledge to a team that is naive to that sort of environment? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's very simple. If, you, if we want to make it simple, I think if we go in with an understanding that everybody within the organization is doing their job and their job may be very different than the job that you have, but the ultimate goal is aligned to your overarching strategy, right? <clears throat> Everyone is trying to meet that strategy at the end of the day and meet the goals. So whether they do it in a different function to help support you or not, what they're doing is they're doing their role for the organization to succeed. It may not go the way you want it. It may not go as fast as you want it. But I think knowing that the individuals that we're working with, home office or not, is they have the best interest for the organization. I think just Going in and leaning with trust uh, goes a long way. I think that that if we have that mindset, I think we, we can have a completely different appreciation for or And ask a lot of questions, right? If something is not going the way you think should go, I think asking questions to understand uh, and seeking to learn versus assuming that, hey, I'm not getting the support that I need and somebody should be doing this. And maybe there is something behind the scenes that we don't understand. 
I mean, I'm I'm tearing up on the inside because you know, having worked in a corporate setting for almost like 15, 20 years, um, I think that that's one of the things that does get missed a lot is that people become siloed, right? Like, oh, this is what my team does, and this is why we're so good, and we're the heaviest lifters in this entire process. And the reality is, it's you're not. Everyone is lifting their weight and everyone is lifting it equally. It's just in different parts of the process and in different parts of the, of the, of the function where the organization comes first. Um, man, I, I have so many different little tributaries and, and tangencies I would love to go down, but I want to keep this podcast focused. Um, so maybe yeah. we'll have a, a part two at some point in the future, Deepak. Um, but, but let's talk about, you know, uh, a little bit more about you. Like you've done quite a bit in the short time that you've, uh, you know, been in practice and I say short, right? Like I'm, I'm an older guy. I've been out, you know, outside of school for 20 plus years. So when I see somebody that's like younger, uh, like you, uh, I'm really impressed with your journey. Um, and you know, I, I always ask my guests to think about something that, you know, even today, like, let's just say for grins and giggles, you decided and says, Hey, uh, I've got, I've decided that this is the end of it. And I know it's not the end for you, but if you were to reflect on your career and be like, I'm really proud of that one thing that I did. Like if I had to put a stamp and say, if nothing else, Deepak Patel will be remembered for this. What would be that one professional achievement or activity or accomplishment that you feel really characterizes the energy and effort you've invested? And so this, it's a very hard question to answer because I think, there's a lot of different things that I've done that have led to multiple other things. But I think if I, if I just had to pick one, right. And my ambition over time is I want to continue to lead people. One thing that really, really drives me as someone who leads teams is I think if I just take a look at my very short tenure, like you said, uh, is leading people, it's, I have provided opportunities for growth for almost every single person that has reported into me for what they wanted to do and how they wanted to grow as an individual within their careers, right? So the very first team, my very first experience is leading a team. When I left that team, within three years, I had three individuals that were promoted. I had an individual that had an opportunity to do 60, 12 months rotation in a team that they really wanted to get exposure to. I, I was able to give an individual an opportunity to be an interim field director for, for, for a certain time period. And I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting a few others here and there, but there wasn't a year where I didn't have individuals within my team that were award-winning individuals. So I think for me, th th these are types of things when I'm leading people that really gets me out of bed is I really, I've had a lot of great mentors who've mentored me and shown me the path and the career path that I can go to to be successful, this is what I want to do for others. And I think when you take a look at my accomplishments, that, that's really something that I feel very, very proud of because I've had the opportunity to do that and I was able to give back to others. You know, when it comes to work and other things, there's so many different things that we do, solutions that we put into place that, that accelerate the growth of an organization. But I think passing it forward, helping people grow in their career, and helping them figure out where their skill sets may be best suited. I, I love doing all that stuff. And I think it really drives me. So I would say those are some of my best accomplishments. It's a, it's a huge sign of leadership, Deepak, like to know that you are helping people either find, you know, you're tapping into their potential, you're creating opportunities for their growth, and you're celebrating in their successes. That, that is 
it's it's something that I believe that every leader should embrace. And I find that uh, you know stories like this are an attest, uh, a testament to that kind of legacy that gets left behind. So really proud of you for doing that. I'm sure that you know many of your team members are listening and are like, yes, that man has yeah. uh, no, really opened doors for me. So uh, certainly hope that you know they, they they do thank you for that because I know I I owe a lot to other people as well. Um, speaking of which, you know I always like to ask guests because I know you and I. Nobody ever starts off their career at, at the peak of a mountain. Like we all start at the base and we all need people to tie a rope around us and grab us sometimes or like, you know, teach us how to like put our hands and feet in the right spot to climb higher. Uh, and for some people, those are mentors. For some people, those are, uh, you know, uh, career sponsors. Um, is there one particular individual that you feel really helped you advance and come to the level where you are today, maybe early on in your career that you would like to give a shout out to some kudos and some gratitude towards uh, to help them understand how meaningful their their influence was on you? 100%. So anytime anybody asks me this question, there's one person that always is on the top of the list and her name is Joanne Stubbins, right? And Joanne, if, if you're listening, uh, I want to thank you for everything you've done for me in my career early on to really show me the path that I can go to from a pharmacy value chain and different things that I can explore. She was an instrumental mentor when I was in pharmacy school because I think she saw potential in me that I didn't see in myself. Uh, so when I took her marketing class, she came up to me after we had a presentation one time and she had been mentoring me for a couple of years prior to that. And she noticed that I would always be the last one to present because I was nervous. You know, I didn't want to get out in front of the class and present. And, and I don't think my presentation skills were all that great. So she literally pulled me aside one time and said, you know what? Why, why are you always the last one to speak? And I don't think if you notice the room when you talk is when you deliver, people listen and you grab their attention and you should feel more confident about yourself. And it was the best feedback I ever gotten. And then from that point on, she helped me navigate different career paths within pharmaceutical industry, outside of your traditional retail, clinical, all of that stuff. And she was instrumental in exposing me to all the different things that pharmacy has to offer. So I, I don't, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have a residency. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have picked rotations that I did. So she played, she played an instrumental role in my journey early on. And so very, very thankful for what she's done for me. That's a beautiful story, Deepak. Are you still in touch with her? Like, do you still, do you still reach yeah, out to her like so once or twice a year? So when I moved back into Chicago, her and I got in touch. Uh, and then I had little kids at that time. And she always wanted me to come in and present at her marketing class and be an adjunct professor. But now that my kids are getting a little older, I think I have more opportunities to reconnect and do things and give back to the school. Uh, so I definitely do plan on reconnecting for sure. Excellent. Yeah, I know. I think that like, again, I'm showing my age here, right? I'm a, I'm a grandfather of three, but I definitely understand like, you know, how, how much it means to have somebody that you help develop and watching them succeed, come back uh, and just share their practices uh, and share their successes. And you know, it, it's like a proud parent. And Deepak, you you have kids now. I know that you have two or three. I have two. You yeah, have two. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. Seven-year-old and a four-year-old. So I, you know, you know exactly what I mean. Like when they do something that you've taught them, and you're like, wow, 
that's my boy or that's my girl. And you just get that <laughs> sense of pride. Um, it's no different yeah. in the professional world as well. Let me let me kind of stay a little bit deeper in the personal world, right? Like I love the opportunity to ask my guests these kinds of questions. You know, talk to me a little bit about when we were when we were young, right? Like we we always had this our jaded perspective of the world, like, oh, I'm gonna do this and this is how people act or this is how people are, so I'm gonna do this. Um, what's a life lesson that you learned early on? Uh, through trial and error or through experience that changed the way that you saw things. And again, it, it can be professional, but I know like, you know, the personal stories are the ones that are like really like, wow, everything at this point now, it's going to be totally different because of that moment. Yeah. So uh, life lessons. Uh, I would, I would say I was, I was growing up. I was, I was always very super competitive, you know, and I wanted to be, the smartest kid in the class. I wanted to work hard. And, and over time, what I've learned is, and this is, this is, I still apply this today, right? You, you, and this is something that I can control versus someone else controlling for me, which is I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. And I don't need to have that because I, I, to a certain degree, I don't control that, right? If you think about that, some people have photographic memories. I don't. And, and they're able to recall information in a, in a dime. And I can't do that. So there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with those individuals and I'm going to be beating myself up. So a life lesson I learned is I need to focus more on the things that I can control, right? Versus the things that I can't control and not beat myself up. And it's been a great life lesson. And I've, I've, you know, in the last three years, I've really started to embrace that for myself in my personal life as well. And it's helped me quite a bit. Uh, but really, it's like what I can control is how hard I work, right? I don't have to be the best person in that room, but I can be the hardest working person in that room because that's something that I can control versus something that I can't control. So that's, that, that is a lesson that I've been literally, I wish I was applying from the get-go. Uh, and I'll be the first one to tell you that I've actually started to apply and embrace more of that, <coughs> excuse me, in the last three to four years. And it's helped me in my personal journey, personal life, and also my professional life as well. I, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I tell my clients whenever I work with them, you know, if they've not taken the strengths finder test to do that, because I think it's yeah. really critical that you understand, you know, if, if you've, have, if you've taken the strengths finder test, you know, it gives you like 30 different qualities or 30 plus characteristics, but it tells you your top five. And that's where the, the instructional is focus and leverage those five regularly, because what is the value in, I mean, I'll give you a great example about myself, right? I am a, I'm a very comfortable and most, some would say I'm a proficient speaker. I can speak on stage, whether it's in front of 10 people or, you know, 5,000 people, not a problem at all. And I'm pretty articulate enough to be able to convey a message in a, uh, you know, attractive capacity where people will want to listen for, you know, at least an hour or so. What I cannot do and what I've forced myself to do, even like five years ago, was try to write. Like I can write the messaging that's in my head, but man, it is a struggle. It is like, why am I doing this? Um, and I and I applied what you just said, like, I don't have to be the best or smartest person in every category. I can just focus on what I'm really good at and then let the other people that maybe are good at it either ask and see or, or reach out to them. So I have my wife write my blogs when I you know start working them in 2022. I'm like, you're the writer. You deal with it. Like, I'll tell you what I'm thinking. And she's good with it. 
No, and I'll, t- I'll tell you this. I, I think you're, you're a great speaker, by the way. And, and another thing, too, is I also think, I think you got to give yourself a little more credit because I also do think you're a great writer because I read some of your stuff. And uh, I don't know how much work goes into it, but I think the delivery and what I read is great. So I think you got to give yourself a little more credit than you're giving yourself. <laughs> But, All right, so I pat myself on the back from going from a C plus to a C. <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. I do appreciate that. Um, Deepak, you know, we all look for sources of, of inspiration, motivation, growth. Um, and for some people, it's TEDx videos. And for some people, it's books and others, you know, they go to conferences. Like, what is your number one resource for you when it comes to personal growth? And, and what is it that attracts you um, or makes you consistently use that, 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 that resource itself? Yeah, so this is a great question. Maybe my response is uh, very different than you might get from other people. So I think my, my number one source for personal growth has really been meditation and affirmations, right? And this is something that I was not good at doing, and I did not embrace the idea uh, of doing, and I always overlooked it. Uh, and in the last three years, my life had turned upside down, and it was a big roller coaster, uh, and it was a big challenge. And what I realized is those are the two things that really helped me get through the tough time in my life. And the reason why I say this, it's initially this journey started to help me as a person, but it has helped my professional career as well because it has exponentially helped me to stay more focused. Uh, like right before you and I started the podcast, I put my phones in another room, right? Because I've learned that I, I need to stay present in doing what I'm doing versus being distracted. And I think with affirmations, we'll very rarely or seldom does everybody kind of sit down and self-reflect and ask ourselves, what are we really thankful for, right? And I started doing more and more of that. And anytime I'm like, I may have a stressful day at work. I, I may be upset with something that happened or the way things didn't go I wanted to. And I kind of sit back and say, okay, what am I really thankful for today? In the last 24 hours. And I do this exercise with my kids. Right before we go to bed, we talk about two things. What's, what was your favorite part of the day? And what are you thankful for today? And I'm trying to build this in to into it becomes normal practice. And all these things that I've done have carried over into my work life. And, and I'm, I'm very grateful. And I didn't realize it at the time that it's also making me a better leader. But when you when if the question is more around where do I get a lot of the content for for professional growth it is i'm a big audio guy i love listening to this i'm an auditory learner uh, and i love going to conferences because it allows me to network and it also allows me to gain content that i wouldn't receive otherwise so those, from from content standpoint those are the, the avenues that i really like to pursue i really love the discipline that you demonstrate in that answer right because i know that a lot of us talk about affirmations and meditation um, but we all know it's a very difficult process and to master that over time with the realization of what the goal is. I think that that's really manifesting here in this present, in this, in this podcast right now. Um, I would love to tap into your ex- expertise in that at a future point, just to see like, you know, how 
what what processes you use or or how you develop the discipline and the muscle to do that regularly. I've tried. I'm very, very transparent. I'm a miserable failure at it. Uh, but there are moments of clarity that I can actually create once or twice a year where I will just clean my mind and, you know, let just let there be nothing. Uh, and that's the intentionality of that is really, really admirable to see in you, Deepak. Um, we've talked about a lot of different things here, Deepak. We've talked about, you know, the, the data concepts and about how critical that is and trying to uh, improve healthcare. We've talked about uh, your mentor. We've talked about so many different things and you've provided a lot of great advice for the listeners. Is there one piece of advice that maybe we haven't touched upon yet that you would want to share or impart with the audience today to help them either advance their career um, or you know, create a leadership legacy for themselves? Yeah, so what, <clears throat> like as cliche as this sounds, like I'm not gonna give advice on this, but I, I think it's worthwhile mentioning, right? It's find what you love to do. And I think I've always loved what I've done <clears throat> and that's really what's driven me to do better, right? But I think one piece of advice that I want to give people is, is really put yourself out there and network and build those pers personal relationships, build those career relationships, because you know what, people aren't lying when they're saying that it, it's not what you know, it's who you know that's going to help open up the doors down the line. Or if they don't help open up the doors, they can navigate you, help navigate you to better opportunities or help you grow professionally or personally. So I, I think that we're living in this virtual world for the last few years and we don't get, I'm a, I'm a personal guy. I like seeing people face to face. I like sitting down for a cup of coffee or a drink or whatever. And that's how I build relationships. So it's been a challenging time for me because this whole virtual thing doesn't do it for me. Uh, so, so I think I'm looking forward to getting back out there and networking the way I used to, but I think that is one thing that I, I encourage all the listeners to do is network, get, get out of your comfort zone. We have LinkedIn, we have Twitter, we have face-to-face -face conversations and don't be afraid to shoot somebody an email if you like their profile and say, hey, look, I'm very interested by your profile. I have a question, I wanna speak with you and you'd be surprised that people will respond. You know, the good in people, I think it gets overlooked a lot. Like if you reach out and ask, nine out of 10 people are going to say, sure, how can I help you? They may not even have the right answer, but they will certainly listen to your request and either work whatever uh, skill sets or network they have or find you somebody else that can. But it starts with you actually asking the question. So yeah, I 100% agree with the networking. Deepak, you've been a phenomenal guest. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, I'm sure there will be at least one, maybe many uh, listeners that may want to reach out to you. What's the best way for them to contact you and, and maybe even you know network with you? Yeah, and, and you can well you you can put this information wherever you post this, but I think you you can email me, you know, uh, leverage my email. You can reach out to me. Uh, LinkedIn is a great source. Uh, if you if you don't have my email, you can look me up on LinkedIn. And also, you, you'd be happy to hear I I just started. I, I've been procrastinating on Twitter for the longest time. I've had an account, but now I'm, I I I manage my Twitter account more frequently than I used to as well. So. I think those are some great ways to get get a hold of me, uh, and I, I'm really good about responding to emails because uh, I check those very frequently. And I've gotten better about responding to LinkedIn, which I wasn't so good at before. But those those are some of the best ways to get a hold of me. Outstanding. Well, we're going to do our best to boost your follower count on Twitter now. So now that I know that, 
we'll push that as well. Deepak, thanks again for being on the show. Really, really appreciate all of the insights, the lessons, and just the conversation today. I'm wishing you the absolute best in 2022, and I'm looking forward to seeing you take healthcare to a higher level. Thank you, Iqbal. Thanks for this opportunity, and hopefully this is uh, we'll, our paths will cross in person, right, at some point in time versus virtual. So thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Healthcare and Hire podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to follow and subscribe for more. I'm your host, Iqbal Acha, and I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. Let me know what you thought about this episode or my show in general. Also, visit me at www.achainternational.com to learn more about how I help healthcare professionals and healthcare leaders advance their career build a better brand, and create a leadership legacy. I'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, let's keep working to take healthcare to a higher level.